Hey, welcome back to Operatory 9, the world's best dental podcast. This is episode 5. Yes, that's right. Episode 5, it matches what it says in iTunes. You know, we're noobs at this, and we made episode 2.5 because we didn't feel like it deserved to be its whole own episode, and we learned that when you number things, it doesn't work that way in the podcasting world. (laughs) When you publish an episode, you publish an episode. Um, So anyway, we're just going to call it episode five and keep it tidy around here. All right, let's get to it. We already started off this podcast with a discussion of whether or not you would become a dentist again, knowing the debt load that you would face to get into the profession. Now, We're asking the same question again, but we're not talking about money. We're talking about the living hell. Your experiences. That that is your, (laughs) that is dental school and residency. Dental residencies. Would you, this is the question today, and we're going to kind of address this in a kind of more of a campfire setting, a little less agenda and just kind of reminisce a little bit, asking ourselves, um, a question would you go through it all again and maybe we'll ask ourselves in the end if we do it but i think we need to lead off with an experience that dr casey and i had on friday last casey i'm turning this one to you man so we got to have a little context for this experience (laughs) which it definitely was an experience (laughs) so when i i started working with you guys a couple months ago and A few weeks in, I got approached by our office manager, Bryce. He asked me if I'd be willing to be a mentor for a high school student. So there's a local high school here that does a a mentoring program where they pick some bit like a professional in the community. It could be anything they're interested in, not necessarily what career they want to follow. One of the mentors teaches graffiti. Uh, one of them flies a helicopter. Anyway, I got picked because this student... I'm going to interject here. A friend of mine, his daughter, is doing the mentorship in hula hooping. So oh my. Just, anyway. Wow. So I'm obviously the most interesting mentor as a dentist, Absolutely. right? Obviously. Obviously. Here we are. So this high school girl, freshman, comes in for her first time mentoring. She's never shadowed a dentist before. But she wants to be a dentist when she grows up. And we've done this before. And we even prefaced it saying, I know that you come right after school. There's really not much to see. It's pretty boring because we have our just recalls in the afternoon. Well, let's throw James Burnison a bone here. I believe he coined the term for our schedule. The afternoon delight. Afternoon delight. That's right. That's <laughs> for right. Those of you, for, the, for the uninitiated, the afternoon delight is we do not schedule restorative dentistry in the afternoon at our practice. We do orthodontics, but not procedures that require um, anything invasive. Like we're not going to do an exposure. We're not going to do a gingivectomy. We're not going to do, um, I don't know, if you've got to get numb, that orthodontic procedure happens in the morning. All of our anesthesia-related sedation, all that stuff happens in the morning. The afternoon, we do recare and predominantly orthodontic adjustment, you know, bracket placement, stuff like that. That is the afternoon delight. If you need more explanation than that, you need to experience it. That's right. Theoretically, so. that's how it works. Yes. 
and, I, and we explained this to this student. So, we she comes in. It's after lunch. We start hitting some recall exams. Cruising through, everything's great. Well, we get a uh, four a three year old that needs a hall crown. So that was our start to uh, where this was tumbling down into right. madness. So in our open bay operatory, I have to put this hall crown on, and the you know the child's pretty nervous, and the parents are there holding your hands. Oh, it's gonna be okay, sweetie. It's gonna be okay. If you don't know what a hall crown is, because we don't, we hope that we have more than pediatric dentists listening. Hall crown is a steel crown. You basically smash over the top of an unprepared tooth. No anesthetic. There's Just. there is literature that proves that it works, and I could say they work. They work. Sorry, it, sorry to steal that. And that's exactly what I did. Yes, <laughs> took the crown, smashed it on. But you know, for her first experience, it was probably a little bit traumatizing when she was expecting just recall exams. But I think she was kind of excited about it, like, oh, I got to see something interesting. So we're winding down to the end of the day. I have dinner plans with my wife I have to get leaving the office for Chris has to get out of the office Jason's not there that day so this patient comes in from over two hours away 19 and 30 are bombed out to the max oh yeah like hopeless like sailor sailor on a ship bombed out (laughs) to the max (laughs) so the the whole lingual two-thirds of the tooth is decayed out subgingivally, and she needs these teeth out. We don't often take out permanent teeth, especially in this type of a setting. Right. So we think, wow, what a great opportunity for you to come in and shadow during a procedure. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> and you can see where it's heading. <laughs> anyway, it turns into one of those... Girl is screaming her head off, crying, mom's scared, Dennis in there swearing under his breath, <laughs> trying to get the cow horns to fit on the tooth. Very traumatizing experience for everybody involved. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting in the back office. I'm doing I'm finishing my day's notes, just like flushing stuff out before I leave. And I can hear screaming from across the office. And I was just like, this is oh, our new doctor. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Like, this, and I know, I know they're shadowing. I know it's good. I'm like, oh, I should, like, maybe I should have been like, hey, we'll schedule this another time. But it seemed, anyway, then I see, like, the staff come back. And they, there's one drawer in our sterile, our sterile area where we keep all our supplies is a, across the hall from my office. And I hear them rummaging through the drawers. And when somebody comes to rummage through the drawers mid-procedure, it tells you something's going wrong. <laughs> and, they, and they're in the forcep drawer. We have this drawer with like, a ton, like all the random forceps that aren't in their standard kit. And they're digging around trying to find the magic bullet, which again tells me, this is not good. I mean, I looking at the X-ray on this girl, I thought these teeth were floating in jelly. Um, they were, except they were hung up on the um, 12-year molar that was hooked into the root. Anyway, it was a huge, huge debacle. I felt super bad for Casey. My wife's calling me. Are you coming home? Are you coming home? We, I got a babysitter. I got a, we have tickets for a movie. And I was like, I can't leave. I was like, <laughs> Casey... Peace out, Casey. Where's Lou? I'm going to leave you. (laughs) Casey has dinner plans. 
we're digging through the forcep drawer. Like, I'm not leaving until this tooth, like, hits the deck. And it it did, and we did only extracted one tooth. And just the look in that little mentee's eyes was like, oh, my gosh, she saw something that day. So we got bets as to whether or not she comes back. Well, and that's <laughs> what I, I was wondering, whether we'd hold off on this podcast till the week after we to knew. see if she to she came back. <laughs> we'll, we'll add that in. We'll add it in. So... I mean, so this is the thing. This girl saw one of the ugly side of dentistry, dentistry right? Yeah. Emer- emergent care, tough situation. It's always the worst time of day, right? You know, half the staff were already like trying to walk out and clock out while they're waiting for this procedure to end. It sucks. And it reminded me of how awful dental school was and how in a lot of ways it was a really awful, awful surprise, like it was trial by fire. Like yeah, you are in really, the fire every day. It was really one of the worst experiences of my life. And I think back on it and I'm like, man, I don't know if I could go through this again. And I'm the furthest removed of any of us here, but it was awful. It was really, really awful. Um, and so I was f- surprised at first at how awful the um, academic side was. I, you know, I expected the academics to be challenging, and they were. I was surprised at how challenging they were. And um, I have, I remember the end of my first semester, I was, um, I, I had a class. It was dental morphology. I'm sure everyone here remembers the delights of dental morphology. For whatever reason, I had super struggled at that class. I was doing fine and everything else. I was bombing that class. And it was a, the rules were get a B or fail. If you didn't get a B, you failed and had to remediate morphology. And I'm like, heading into morphology, I had to get it like a 98% on the final or else I'd get a C and I would have to remediate. And it's like one or two credit hours, right? So it's not worth much. It's not going to even affect the GPA that much. But I'm like, oh my gosh, if I have to remediate and thinking about this, then... If I ever wanted to specialize, that's out of the question. And oh my gosh, my whole career felt like it was hinged on two credit hours of dental morphology. So we're heading into finals. I'm getting through the week. It's one of the last tests that we take. And I realized like, I'm gonna have to pull an all-nighter to get ready for this thing. It's winter. We were in Kansas City. It was cold. I had a very drafty basement. I stayed up. So I remember this so vividly. I stayed up all night sitting in a sleeping bag because we couldn't afford to heat the basement. So <laughs> we ran enough heat. That it was the pipe, best of times. <laughs> yeah, we ran enough heat that pipes didn't burst, but it was freezing. So I'm sitting there in a sleeping bag studying morphology, and I had gone to the grocery store and bought a six-pack of Red Bull. Or I don't know if they sold in six Whatever it was, I had never had an energy drink before this. This was my first experience. So I cracked the first one. I cracked the second one. I get through three of these bad boys, and I stayed in the basement all night studying morphology. Sweating. Sweating. <laughs> in my sleeping bag, you know, like, tip of my nose is cold, snot's dripping, but, like, I'm hot inside my down bag. Okay. We go in the next day. I got to take this test. I crushed it. So I give myself the pat on the back. Like, the, I paid. I did it. And then I had a test that afternoon, like early afternoon, and that was a class I was doing great in. So I went and took the next test. I was finished. We had plans to head home 
the next day, which was um, our families at this point were all living in Utah, and we were going to go and spend the month off for Christmas in Utah. And I remember I got home, and my wife was done with her school. She was doing her MBA. She was finished and home, and we were just so exhausted. Our oldest son was just born, and I walked in the house, and I looked at her, and I said, I can't stay in this state another minute. I refuse to stay here. And I was so tired because I'd taken an all-nighter the night before. I was like, I think we need to leave. You know, the plan was chill, leave the next day. I'm like, I can't stay. I was so traumatized. So we hit the road. This isn't, this is a great dental school story. It's not great. We hit the road. We're driving to, we're in Colorado now. We're trying to get to a uh, family friend's house to spend the night where, near where I grew up. And um, I'm falling asleep at the wheel. Like I'm literally falling asleep at the wheel. I'm like, I can't keep driving. Get my wife to drive. Guess what? She makes it one exit. I kid you not. <laughs> one exit. And she's like, I can't keep doing this. Anyway, she's great driving on a road trip now. I give her credit. She's come a long way. So I'm sitting there and I know what I have to do. I'm like, we're like in Lyman or something. We're out Eastern Colorado. I got to get into Denver. We can't afford a hotel. We got to get to the friend's house. I have my last Red Bull <laughs> your energy drink. sitting in the car. And I mean, that stuff tastes like vomit, right? It's like cough medicine. So I chug that thing down. It was, I almost puked. I get us into Denver, whatever. I, I didn't drink another energy drink until, oh, until I was already in practice. So for the whole rest of dental school, residency, settled in New Mexico, I finally had an energy drink during a bicycling event. And I was so traumatized, like even smelling them made me sick. That's you had the association. Just, oh, man, just <laughs> just the shudders of like, oh, my gosh, this feeling of like drinking these in the basement, studying like the shape of a premolar. Like, I don't even like who cares? Anyway, that was the academic side for me. Um, the clinic got worse. But um, maybe I'll turn the opportunity to someone else. I mean, I like when I when I think about dental school, I we had a, a town home that we were in, and the the bedroom in the lower level was was deemed my office or my study area. So I remember going to Menards, which is the the Middle Eastern. Uh, Middle Eastern, not Midwest. Sorry, Midwestern. Mid, <laughs> Where is it Middle Eastern? Yeah. yeah. No. So I was in Iowa. So Midwestern, like local Home Depot or Lowe's, and um, I got floor paneling, white floor paneling, and nailed that to my wall, and that was my whiteboard. Mm. So I used <laughs> that, and but I would fill that thing up trying to memorize. I mean, pharmacology, like. The ridiculousness of memorizing every single drug name. Your wall looks like your Russell Crowe in a beautiful mind. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's what I felt like. I was like twitching. I'd be twitching, I, like trying to think of these things. And I, yeah, I, you get for me, all it took was uh, a Code Red Mountain 2 to keep me up. <laughs> and so, but, but it was just horrific. You'd have these six tests in a week that's and you got five days you have five days of school and you've got six tests and these are like legitimate tests that you had to study for so you'd have to say well which one is gonna blow it what which one can i afford to bomb on so that i can like pass the rest of these and it was just 
I mean, countless nights where I tell Jody, I, I can't do this. I, this is, this is too crazy. And I, as thinking about this, we started off, I want to say with 80 students and I want to say 70 graduated with us from that group. So 10 either dropped out, got held back or something. And they're missing forever. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but they went you, into, they decided, they're think... like, no, screw this. I'm going to be a lawyer. This yeah. is after two years, no, two years, or like you're far, I'm going to be a pharmacist. That's insane. But did you ever think for yourself that you might quit? Like in a serious way, like I should just quit, get out, cut my losses? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like that, there were multiple times where I'm like, is this worth it? Is this, a, yeah. We talked about before, numbers weren't even brought to your attention and how much it right. cost. So you didn't, you didn't, you didn't know, know about that. You were even but at the that stresses point. and the the sleepless nights, the clinical, I'm in pros. I remember in pros staying in the lab until it closed and going back to the parking lot. And I'm the only one of the only cars left in the parking lot in that area. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I multiple times. I just say, yeah, this, this what about is you, Casey? You know, would I do it over again? I think is a great question. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, so here's an experience that kind of sums up how desperate at times you feel in dental school. Like Jason was talking about, you have these mounting exams coming up and you're cramming and studying. We had this guy in my class who's a dear friend of mine. His name is Paul. He's the most jovial, lovely person I've ever met. Sometimes Paul would drive you crazy. So you'd be studying for a test, and Paul would come in. He would find you and come into the room. It'd be an hour before the test, two hours before the test. Paul would start talking to you about something that had nothing to do with the test. Paul, I just have to study. So anyway, as school went on, Paul got better about, you know, he's in the group, he's studying. But I remember one day, it's freezing cold in the room that we're studying in. And it's probably an hour and a half before the test. It's like, I don't know, 6.30 in the morning, something like that. We've been in there studying, like, felt like all night. And Paul comes in, and he's got his hands in his armpits. And Paul's, a, you know, he's a larger guy. Uh, and... We're studying. Nobody really thinks much of it. It's just cold, right? Anyway, about 30 minutes later, Paul takes a hand out from one of his armpits, and he's got a frozen burrito oh. that he's been thawing oh. under oh. his Gross. armpit. Oh. And he oh. and starts eating it. We're all like, Paul, oh. what the hell are you doing? And he's like... I didn't have time to use a microwave, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the desperation you feel at times. You don't have time to use a microwave to thaw the burrito. Oh. <laughs> but they, I mean, you you have the, the the stresses and the the unquenchable hell that you're in comes from a number of places. One, it's the curriculum, right? You've got the the attendings or the professors don't help. From our class, sometimes we had the students would be too. There, with those six exam dates, the rule was it had to be unanimous if we all agreed that if we wanted to move a date of a test, we we all had to agree and say yay or nay. 
And there would be some, I mean, it's, you to get into dental school, you had to be kind of the top of the class. And so you've got everybody that's the top of their initial class brought into dental school, but it's kind of a cutthroat environment where they're like, well, this is tough. This is dental school. This is what it's supposed to be. So most of the the class would say, yeah, we want to move the date so that we can study on these other ones. And then the gunners or the ones that could really ace these tests without having to put quite as much sweat into it. Oh, no, this is, I, I signed up for this. And this, this is what we're going to do. And it was just, oh, come, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding That's me. That's insane. That's insane. I can't imagine. I felt like the stu- our student body was pretty, I don't know, everyone felt like they were suffering equally. I don't know. I mean, obviously there's some people who appeared to do better than others, but um, the, man, the best, <laughs> I like your story about Paul, but I'm going to take that and I'm going to up you. Um, <laughs> I'll see your Paul. I'll, I'll see your Paul. Paul. <laughs> I'm going to raise you. Raise you. Uh, we had a guy in my class, I, I don't think I'm going to say his name. Um, <laughs> I but, love you, Paul. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. This is desperate times. This, you know what? This is just crazy. We're talking about Dallas. This is crazy. Okay. This guy bought a house, had a really drafty house, old, old house, downtown Casey, drafty house. Winter came. He was really one of those, you know, those guys who always were at school to study, right? Like they were there first thing in the morning. They stayed late at night. I personally, I think you guys could guess that that wasn't me. I was, I got up early to study. I stayed up late to study. I did not do it within the walls of the school. I came to school. I did what school required. I was happy to, happy. I could deal with being there, but I wasn't going to spend extra time there. That was not where I studied. I studied a lot actually in the lobby of the Weston Hotel, which was, there was like a mall with a Weston Hotel connect, like right across the street from the dental school. And you could go over there and there's like a food court and stuff. So I'd go sometimes get some food or take some food and go over there. And they had like a couch. So it was kind of like around a corner and nobody was ever over there. You could plug in. Um, I can't remember if there was Wi-Fi in the lobby or not, but whatever it was, I could totally study over there. They had nice bathrooms nearby. Like it was, that was my spot. But anyway, this guy was always at school, right? Early, late. And um, what, one day I realized, like, he's always at school. Like, always, always. Like, there's never a time when I'm there that he's not there. Like, literally always. Literally always at school. And we were talking one night, and he's like, oh, if you ever need to rest, I know the best places. You know, there's a lounge on this floor, and there's a this on this floor. I kid you not, this guy moved into the dental school. He lived in the dental school. He he made friends. I'm laughing at myself. He made friends with the entire like janitorial staff. Okay, they hooked him up with an extra locker. So well, because we locker. didn't he like do work <laughs> dental work on them uh, so that he he could... would eventually do a bunch of dental work on them after hours. I believe. Uh, <laughs> I don't have, don't have proof. I don't have firsthand <laughs> evidence of this, but certainly that was the understanding that most of us had. It was that he had like earned some of these favors. Anyway, so he had access to a shower. Apparently, there was a shower in the basement. I never saw the shower. Word on the street: shower in the basement. Word on the street. There was, was. also, but I did see his second locker, which was. A pantry. 
Like, he opened it, it's all of his food. So he was cooking, clean. I mean, everything was happening there. We did have um, gym passes to the gym on main campus, but main campus was across town. And I never saw him working out. But I'm sure, I do know he showered at times over there. Anyway, this guy lived every winter for sure in the dental school, which is just, it's outrageous, right? Who lives in the dental This I mean, come on. But he did. So, I mean, that's just, it's so crazy. Um, it's desperate, hard to think about. Desperate times. Very desperate times. <laughs> Very desperate times when you live there. Um, so I was thinking... Um, what was the worst? One of the worst parts for me was treating the patients. Okay. Like I survived the, I hated the academic years. They were brutal. They were very hard. Um, I definitely struggled through them. Um, but the worst part for me was actually the adult patients I treated in the clinic because I felt like they had me by the nutsack. Because <laughs> you had to gr- to graduate, you had to fulfill a certain number of procedures. If you didn't fulfill the procedures, you didn't graduate. Well, who had the procedures? These people had them in their mouths. And you had to convince them to let you do required procedures so you could graduate. And that for me would end up being the absolute most stressful, horrible time of my life was in trying to obtain all the procedures that I needed. Um, so my question for you guys, and I have my answer, which I'll give to who was your worst patient and what did they do to make your life terrible? I know there's one, there's probably more Casey. Well, one comes to mind, uh, (laughs) it was close to the end of my fourth year. I got this guy, my clinic director approached me because the last student that had this guy couldn't handle him. And they needed somebody that could. And I had, I guess maybe I had like an opening in my patient pool where I could fit him in. And I was pretty good at diffusing situations with difficult people. Anyway, this guy was a real gem. He, uh, my first appointment with him, he showed up 45 minutes late. And then, of course, and then he came into the clinic and immediately told me right off the bat exactly how he wanted me to give him an injection. And the way he wanted me to give him an injection was he wanted me to grab his cheek and yank on it as hard as I could, just back and forth, yank, 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 and then slowly go in with the needle, inject as fast as I could while yanking on his cheek while this guy would yell and moan in the chair. Uh, uh, uh. Oh. Yeah, weirdest thing ever. And any he was so hard to get numb. We had to have an endo faculty come to give him an IA because my clinic director, clinic instructor, couldn't get get him numb one day. And he was just always a pain. He was a guy that would break temporary crowns all the time. He was back every week. Oh, I cracked through my temp, doc. You know all that kind of stuff. So I had I had a lot of nights thinking about the next day I was going to have to deal with him. Probably one of my worst experiences with a patient. Oh. Fourth year. I'm trying to graduate, okay? I know I'm doing peds. In fact, I'm already matched into my residency. I know what's going to happen. I, However, I still need a bridge. 
still got to do a bridge. I don't have a bridge. Enter this. Um, I'm treating this guy, 30-some-year-old guy who worked at a car dealership. And he says, hey, we got this. I got a friend at my dealership, his new girlfriend. She needs her teeth fixed bad. Can you help us? Like, yeah, man. He says, hey, the boyfriend will pay for it. We need you to do this. I'm like, yeah, man, bring her in. So this boyfriend shows up. He's like a manager at the sales lot, right? He's all slicked out, looking all smooth. He brings in this young, like, early 20-something-year-old girl, okay? She had had, when she was a kid, she had her front teeth knocked out. They had been re-implanted, and they ankylosed themselves and she's grown a lot since then. Delightful. So she's got like an open bite of like 10 millimeters with barely these nubs of teeth sticking out. Okay. He pulls me aside. He says, she gives the best blowjobs, man. But I'm embarrassed <laughs> to be seen with her. I need you to fix her teeth. Can you help me? Yeah, I can't. So I, there's no one up in Yes, I there's, can. So, you know, I look at that and I say, well, if she needs a bridge, I can help her. If not, I got nothing. They're like, yeah, she needs a bridge. Faculty agree. I'm like, what if we did a bridge? What if we took out these ankylosed teeth and did a bridge off the laterals, did a four-unit anterior bridge? And they were like, that's fine. You can do that. So my patient who originally made the referral is like, oh, you met the blowjob girl. Yeah, I met her. Yeah, she does that for all the guys at the dealership. Oh, delightful. <laughs> but this guy, but this particular guy, he wants to get engaged to her. So I was so great. So he starts paying for the treatment. So of course this is dental school, right? You don't just get to do the bridge you need a bridge, you don't just do the bridge, right? She's got four quadrants worth of restorative dentistry to do. I think I read somewhere too that, that Kansas City has probably the most sexually transmitted diseases in, in yeah, the United I would, States I would too. Rule so it out, man. <laughs> I, every time you inject her, every time you work on her, she screams. Right? We're in a massive we think our three chair open bay is big. I don't know how your dental schools were. It was like a warehouse. Oh yeah. It's like a Walmart of dental of open bay dental chairs. So this girl's screaming. Everyone's looking over, like, what what's Hendrick's doing? Somebody comes up to me and says, Should she be in the pediatric department? I was like, Well, she acts that way. They're like, they're like, we can't keep treating her here. And I'm like, No, I have to treat her. They're like, No, you, you gotta get rid of her. I'm like, I can't. I was like, I need this bridge. I have to get like all these. So does this fiance. I have to do. (laughs) Yes. I got to do like 35 more amalgams before you guys are going to let me do this bridge. So let me get my amalgams done. So I get Finally, I get the amalgams done. Fiance is still paying for the treatment. We cut this bridge, right? And by we, I got to be honest, the faculty were really good to me by the end. Um, I was a very diligent clinical student and the Cross faculty understood my career would be in peds, and they were very willing to help me do some of these procedures. So I got, I got a lot of hands-on help with some of these procedures. That's so, some love from the faculty. Oh my That's gosh. nice. You don't get that, That's right? That's nice. It's no, it's rare. So while you guys complain about faculty, my faculty were good, but I'm giving you the John Coltrane on the patient experiences. All this right, is I have nothing. So nothing on this. I, we prep this <laughs> thing, and we make it temporary. The faculty's like, oh, that temporary is too ugly. You can't use it. We got to make a new one. So we spend like an entire morning and afternoon making like the world's most money temporary for this girl. She gets her temp. It's been such drama. She leaves. We have the 
the final prosthesis made and ordered. She needs to come back, pay for the thing so I can deliver it. Guess what? Fiance decides he doesn't like sharing her with everyone else in the car dealership. <laughs> they break up. He's not paying anymore. She owes like two grand to finish this bridge. You know, she doesn't have the money. So I'm sitting there like, okay, well, how do I, how do I deliver a bridge? Can I find another patient? I can't do it. She, meanwhile, she's like, I'm good. This temp is money. I'm fine. And I'm calling, I'm like, that temp is going to break. Like you have to get this done. She's like, well, I, I can't afford it. And my fiance cut me off and nothing I can do. So I'm talking to my wife. I'm like, look, we're going to have to pay for this thing. Like we are going to have to pay for so this that you can graduate because otherwise I can't graduate. My wife also let me put a totally unneeded crown on her. She had a, like a large amalgam from her childhood. We put a crown on it because guess who needed a competency crown? The problem was I had a really bad pool of patients and I spent most of my time in the peds clinic. So some of these things were like down to the wire for me. So, all right. So this woman, girl, one day I call her up and I'm like, hey, look. I got your treatment paid for. Um, why don't you come in and get your real bridge so you can keep it? And she's like, really? Like, yeah. She shows up like all done up. Makeup <laughs> out like full tramp mode, right? If there's anything you need. And she is totally talking trash about my wife. Like, oh, Mary. Like, she, I was like, whoa, like. She clearly thinks I paid for her to get this prosthesis because I was next in line. <laughs> and I'm like, no way, no way. And I'm like, oh. So I've got this assistant. Sherlyn. <laughs> Sherlyn is helping me. Sherlyn is like from the city. And she's probably like 300 pounds of like, like Midwest slash Southern power. Right? Always had like the craziest wig collection. Like... Sherlyn was a terrible chairside assistant, but she would take care of business from time to time. So this girl's in the chair. I'm trying to take off this temp bridge. It's not coming off, right? Because the world's it was like glued on with like the world's best glue with the best fit ever from the pros faculty. And the girl's screaming and screaming. She's like, I can't, I'm leave me alone. I'm, I'm leaving. Sherlyn looks at me and she can tell I'm in full panic mode. You know, I'm like two weeks away from trying to graduate or not graduating. I'm like, I got to move. I got to go to residency. Sherlyn goes, honey, you come with me. Grabs her. Hauls her off to the bathroom. I don't know what happened in that bathroom. <laughs> but that girl comes back. She looked like she'd been like at a funeral. She's like wiped up all of her tears. She sits down in that chair and doesn't say a word. We've had and experiences with parents and kids yes, like that. <laughs> yeah, yes, we have. <laughs> Yes, we have. And so I deliver this bridge. And at the end of that appointment, my wife shows up because we're going to go have lunch together to celebrate getting like this horrible bridge done. And she turns to my wife. She goes, well, you're better looking than he said. I was like, holy crap. Get out of here. So my wife's like ready to kill her. I'm ready to kill her. Sherlyn Almost did kill her. Kept her just alive enough to deliver the crowns or the bridge. Okay. That's my bridge. My wife's crown. I'm losing sleep. I'm grinding my teeth at night. I'm like, I'm not going to graduate. And I have a competency crown, which is a crown cut on a tooth that has never had another crown or 
something on it, right? Or right. isn't like so destroyed that you have to build it up first. So my wife has a three surface amalgam and we decide the faculty are like, oh my gosh, that thing's going to break any day. You just need to put a crown on it so bad. I'm like, All right. Uh, my wife's like, hey, let's get the hell out of here. I put the crown on. So I, I prep this crown, like everything's kind of going okay. And then I'm doing the, I'm doing some buildup on it or something. I remember what the story was. Whatever it was, I don't have a dental assistant. And like the material I got was like old or had bubbles. Anyway, it had like air bubbles under it and it got like super sensitive. It's just like a nightmare. Like my wife's tough, but I definitely made her cry during this ordeal. And I have this woman who has a Chinese dental license who's doing like the foreign training program, right? So she's a prosthodontist because she got into pros residency, but now she's getting her DDS with me, right? But she's my faculty. And she's like, you're going to put this on your wife? It would not be good enough for my husband. I'm like, you know what? Screw you. Like, <laughs> just let me glue this thing on, right? So, like, I'm trying to get it glued on. I'm sitting there, and I just have this horrible memory of, like, placing. I took off the temp. I got this gold crown I'm putting on. And I shove it on. And my wife bites down, and she's like, it's really high. She's like, this isn't. This, it's not on right. She's like, it's not on right. I'm like, it's not on right. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to take this thing off. Right. So I like, I start to like panic. Like I'm total panic. I'm like hyperventilating. Like this, I can feel all the sweat and I'm trying to get this crown off because it's not seated all the way. I break a spoon on it. It's this gold crown. It's all scratched up. I can't get it off. I'm like running around trying to get the, um, they have those like jujube candies that they would <laughs> microwave. We microwave one. We have her bite into it. We're like, pull it off. Pull it off. It won't come off. And, and it's like, already got glue on it. It's already glue. Yeah, I Ugh. cemented it on. It will not move this crown. And I'm like, well, I'm screwed. It's going to have an open margin. It's high. She's like, oh, it's so high. So I'm adjusting and adjusting. It doesn't feel right. And um, the faculty member could see that I was ready to pass out. And she was like, hey, just let it be. We'll just we'll check. We'll check this later. So wife comes back like the next day and like they sit down and they're like, hey, you know what? This thing feels sealed. Your margins are fine. It looks okay on the x-ray. They're like, it might just feel high. She's going to be fine. I'm like, okay. So they signed me off. I passed my competency crown. I can graduate. I kid you not. Whenever I saw that crown in her mouth for, I don't know, the next like five years, like I had to like turn away and like block it out of my mind. It was absolutely trauma. I couldn't even, like, I look at my wife, I saw the crown, I was like, oh, uh, I wouldn't, I didn't dare check its margins for, like, two years. <laughs> like, when I would clean her teeth or whatever during residency, I wouldn't touch that crown. I'm like, oh, I'm not touching those margins. Like, that's how traumatized I was. So, yeah, dental school, dark times. But now what about residency for you? Also bad. Um, different, a different kind of bad for me. Residency was a much different bad. It was the, uh, I had a few instances with patients that were absolutely terrible. Um, that caused me to lose a lot of sleep and be really stressed out, but it wasn't the same because you didn't have that same pressure. Like if you don't deliver this crown or if this denture doesn't fit, you're not going to graduate, graduate. Or anything like, like that. for me, like not having that control was so stressful. And I, just had a very challenging patient pool. And, and then when I had a great patient like my wife, it just went wrong. Um, residency was different just because 
it, we lived, we were in um, Rhode Island. The program itself, like, was good. The faculty, for the most part, were really chill. It was very self, it was, like, enough instruction and also enough self-directed. It was good. But just the really long hours and just some of the stress involved with it um, made it for some challenging times. I don't know how to describe it. It was just different. The stuff that we suffered from in residency was more personal. Sure. It was more personal for us just in our lives. And it was just me being gone that much and just some of the, the stresses. I don't. I actually don't blame the program or like the patients for... I, I mean, I had extreme drama that I dealt with and just absurd patients. I could tell... I guarantee the podcast will hear some stories of some encounters I had in residency. But it wasn't the same way where I felt like tortured like oh if i had to do this again i couldn't do it anymore my wife however couldn't leave fast enough it was very you know she was just played stay-at-home mom during that those two years and when i tried to wax nostalgic as we were pulling away she like almost slapped me and was like stop (laughs) so (laughs) you know we've been here going on 10 about 10 years we've been out and we still haven't gone back to providence and I've brought it up like, Hey, we should go back and see some stuff. And she's like, it might be too soon for me still. So like I said, it was, it was a tough time, but not school related. Now I know your residency was different because you, I got to know you before residency. I knew you through your residency (laughs) and I know you after your residency. (laughs) And I feel like your residency made up for those like, Oh, my patients were kind of hard in dental school. Well, and it wasn't, again, it wasn't the patients. I mean, we had some parents that were crazy. I had somebody that, that had threatened, like we were, I was wondering whether I was going to see him on the street and him take me out. There were the, I had a, somebody that needed an extraction and it was a four-year-old and the dad came with and we sedated her and like, but she was still crying and the dad was getting upset at the girl and then upset at me. And I, to a point where I had to stop and say, sir, this is what's going on. And he's like, well, you're, you're, you're hurting my child. And I said, I'm, 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 I'm actually talking to her. I haven't done anything. haven't done any injection. And then my director pulled me aside and said, well, what, what's going on? Let me talk to him. And I was listening to him talk to her. Oh, well, I, I apologize that he did that. I apologize that he did that. And then took me aside. No, you, you did okay. And then proceeded to tell the the first years, Jason should not have done that. Jason, <laughs> Jason yeah. should and shaming me in the in the middle. And now I have brought with me to kind of explain how this. I remember calling you. I I yes. called you in the middle of residency. About halfway through, I took this call and and said, "Chris, tell me it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, tell me, tell me that this I is totally it's worth it that. to to go and to finish this. And like I think I'm a year in. Yeah, it was about your halfway point for sure. But I at I had a knack for learning how to bend wire, and so they had us making the appliances for the kids and I took to it and I I knew how to do it and the rest of my class were like how do you do it okay you do this oh yeah you do this right there and so I'm looking at this date on I have in my hand a, a 
pediatric dental resident evaluation that my director had written for me. And this, the date is 8-8-16. So this was is two months into our second uh, year. And I had, I think, either the second years or even the first years were asking, okay, how do you bend this wire right here? And so I'm trying to help them out. And I um, I got pulled aside from my director and he says, what do you think you're doing? And I said, well, I'm trying to help them out. Well, you you don't know what you're doing. You, you're just a resident and you should not be teaching other people. And so he wrote this, I, I'm, I'm writing you up. And under professionalism, I have... Uh, it's um, unsatisfactory, and it says overconfident. <laughs> and then under the teaching area, it has uh, unsatisfactory, uh, done without uh, authorization. And the additional comments read, running an educational program independent of curriculum without authorization. Oh. The next um, the next violation will result in suspension for a week. So... But this is suspension have been positive. Right, right. That would have been great. And it but the the funny thing is about two or three weeks later I was called to be chief chief resident over the, that year. So I don't I mixed mixed messages. It was a you don't know what you're doing, you are an awful human being, and but no, you you're doing great. Keep keep up the good work. And I at times we talked about this, that our director must have had some bipolar I don't know if there's a tripolar, uh, so many different personalities, ups and lows immediately. And everybody had them. It was a, it was, you are scum. This is, and that's how you felt. You were, yeah, I'm scum. Yes. Yet I assume the position. Yes, sir. May I have another type <laughs> of a mentality where I, you just, okay, tell me what to do and I'll do it. And, and then, okay, to wait until this two years are up. My favorite part of this is as Jason's reading this professionalism, unsatisfactory professionalism grade, I'm looking at this the other side of this report card that he has, and it's his residency picture of him mooning the camera That's with right. all of his co-residents. Yes. Right. <laughs> it's absurd. And what's interesting is that would have been like lauded in my program. Like if you knew how to bend a appliance and then you helped another resident do it, that would have been seen as like, like a great, great thing. Yeah. Like, oh, you did this. This is... This is wonderful. Good for you. Well, I think um, we'll, we'll wrap this thing. Um, you know, I think most people in like healthcare, in medicine, I think people have an expectation that like medical school is really crappy, right? Medical residency is really crappy. Um, internships, horrible, right? Like, um, and I turned Jason on to the book House of God, which <laughs> is right. a book kind of like a, it's like a depressing look, but also satirical at points of life as a resident. As a and resident, it did inspire right. the TV show Scrubs, as a side note, um, which I read as a resident to help me get through some of those darker times where you just feel like really overworked and you're just tired of being everybody's slave. Like, oh, just do this, just do this, just do this. Um, but dental school, I don't think people necessarily think of it as I, I think maybe you're less aware of like what it's like when you're there, right? Well, like I think when well, you don't have an alternative, you don't know. Like you haven't gone to another well, I think dental the media, school. Yeah, and I think the media paints a picture of like 
medical life, medical training is being very rigorous and hard. Yeah. And so but this is the what dentist, life is. And we're going to go, this is coming, kids. Get ready. The um, We're going to look at the way dentists are portrayed in popular media soon. But dentists, like in media, nobody portrays like a dental student as suffering. Right? Like, oh, you're the suffering dental student. Like nobody even talks. That's not interesting to no. anybody. But let it be known, suffering was had. You know, and I think in a lot of ways... I don't know how other like medical and other programs work, but this reliance upon unreliable people to obtain the qualifications you need to work are really crazy. You know, it's, I think that's unique to dentistry. Like, Hey, do 10 procedures and then you can graduate. I think in a lot of other fields, you don't do that. You graduate through the things you've learned and then you practice those things during a residency format. And I think because that's not necessarily guaranteed, um, Dental school requires a lot of things. So to briefly answer the question then, Jason, would you do it again? All of it. Ugh. Dental and residency. I'm happy where I am. I'm very <laughs> I, I I'm very happy where I am right now. And uh, it's such a hard question. I if that's what it took, yes. Oh, good answer. If like that's it. what it took, then yes, I would do it. But just to just to do it again for nostalgic purposes, absolutely <sighs> yeah. not. Casey, absolutely you're, you're not. You're closer out. What do you think? The wounds are still really fresh. Yeah, they're right? still very this fresh. Very fresh. I uh, I always go back to what would I do different from dentistry. I like where I've ended up. In a lot of ways, I'm very happy with what I'm doing. What would I do differently? I think what I, if I, if we're talking about going back and redoing things instead of dental school, I think I would just become a computer prodigy in my youth and then get into software. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I think if you could see all the things you would go through, you would definitely consider maybe some different routes. I feel like I chose dentistry pretty like flippantly. Like, oh, this looks like, you know, maybe it's easy money or the path won't be so hard and have learned otherwise that you definitely pay your price before, during, and after. And so final question, dental school is dark, hard. People treat you like dirt. You work insane hours. You have a huge workload where you really do, I think, for the first time in your life, for most people, you have to choose between a lot of important things, right? You have, here's 10 important things, but you only have time for six, which for important things are you going to forget about? Do you think that degree of rigor has benefited you professionally Ugh. or do you think it's too much? It's benefited me in the fact that sometimes you got to do hard stuff and you you know what? It's made me tolerant of, of harder things and hard decisions that you have to make on the fly, giving up certain things for other things. Yeah. I'd agree. I think that it has helped me. I think some of it's unnecessary, though. And I remember one one meeting we had with our dean. It was like just our class meeting with the dean. And people brought up, why do you have to make everything so crappy all the time? And he said, well, it's partially intentional in the curriculum because we want you, you know, we want to make you have to deal with hard situations and overcome things. And it was like, well... Bull crap! Like well, this is hard enough as it is. Isn't there a, an extent to an extent? Isn't that? <laughs> it's not gonna. You don't have to go all the way. You don't. You don't have to go to an eleven. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's at the same time, like part of me feels like, and maybe this is because I'm becoming more removed from it. I look at what we did on Friday afternoon. I, we, I shouldn't say we, I didn't Casey. do anything, but I look at what Casey did Friday afternoon. And that was like, I think a lot of people would have been like, you know what? I'm out, you know, like. Either I'm out, or I have to do both of this. I have soon, to. I have to. No, hold him down. Let's get this. As, let's as get both of those out of there. As soon as the girl screaming, he's like, he checks out. Says, "Screw it, I'm done." Walks away, or yeah, or like instead of being patient and just doing it correctly, loses the temper, forces it, maybe snaps a tooth or something, and creates a much worse situation. Yeah. Tries to punt it to OS or something and walks away so he can get on his date. I do think that dental school is effective. And helping you learn to manage those things and deal with the fact that, you know, things can be tough. So um, I'd, we would love this is, you know, we're still very nascent in this process, but we would love to hear um, any comments from our listeners. Um, we know you're out there. We are working hard to generate a forum where we can entertain some of these questions and we will revisit them on the podcast and um bring up some of these topics and add to the discussion. You know, it'd be sweet if we could have, you know, 10, 10 dentists sitting around a campfire, just talking about sharing war stories about we'll, the horrible things you experienced. We'll bring and and that's what the website's for. So go to www.operatory9, that's the, the number nine.com and uh, go on this, this episode and put send us your stories. Yeah, we'd love to hear them. And we could, Super fun to hear. We could bring them up again if we... If oh, we yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, everyone suffered. Everyone suffered. And everyone had just, you know, suffered in one way or another. Obviously, I didn't suffer as much as you guys. I don't think you suffered as much. <laughs> I don't think you suffered as much. You know, um, we'll we'll find your equivalent BJ girl. And you... Wow. Wow. 